1: ready to talk quarterbacks if you want um we we can get into that I know you had a couple on there you wanted to talk about
2: yeah well I wanted to give you a chance obviously to 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 talk about because I do very much enjoy your work Bill I mean that's the reason that we first started talking anyway and that's why I now consider you a friend is it was because I respected your work and first time we talked that was the conversations about you released a top 25 quarterback rankings and I'll say this this is something that I truly believe. I'm not just saying that because I like you and you co you host a show on my channel and because you're on here now. It Even the stuff I didn't agree with, I, I like the fact that you at least made your case as to why you had certain guys in certain places. So I did enjoy that. And I'm going to put his uh, story in the chat description below so you guys can all look at it. So we'll get into the Sam Hartman part in a bit, but I do want to kind of talk about the rest of it. Number one, you had Caleb Williams, number one, Drake may number two. I think that's a no brainer. I think it's a no brainer. that Those are the one and two. And I also think there's a gap between one and two. I think Drake, I think Drake may was an outstanding quarterback last year. I think the town around him, I have questions about this year and then the new system. So there's enough question marks there that I say, Caleb Williams is clearly number one. Cause I actually felt through the first eight, nine weeks of the season Drake May was my Heisman, would have got my Heisman vote through Great. eight nine games. The, the difference is, is Caleb Williams did things in November that Drake Drake May didn't, and his team lost their last I think what like four games of the season, and that's what separated it for me. Then after that, I think is where we could start having some conversations. You had Michael Penix number three. That's who, where I have so so far we're good. Next you you get into a thing, and, and I got the impression from you, Bill, that that it's kind of like yeah, this is where I had to put, I had to put somebody there. And even though I put this guy there, you can make a case somewhere else. So let's kind of get into the rest of your, of your top 10 and, and get into kind of why you went Bo Nix 4, J.J. McCarthy 5, Jaden Daniel 6, Jordan Travis 7, Cameron Rising 8, Quinn Ewers 9, and Sam Hartman 10. I think eight of those 10 I have in my top 10, we just would have them in different places.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match.
2: So let's kind of discuss a little bit, Bill. Uh, first of all, Bo Nix in that number four spot. What what was your case for for having Bo? Well, Bo I
1: mean, he had forty four total touchdowns. I, I will. So part of our methodology is Bill Troche, who I do the podcast with. I have him send. him as like, send me your top twenty five. Then I'd have mine. Then I average them out, and then I do the rule where. And and Bill's cool with it. I said, well, my name's on it, so I have some editorial liberties here that I'm going to take. I mean, we may have it like this, but with my, you guys don't have to take the, you know what, from fans. So, um, yeah, I think Bo Nix is a solid four. Right? He's not, he could go either way. He's been on this list for four years, by the way. So uh shouldn't have been uh, but yes he has. Yeah, a couple years he probably shouldn't have been. So, but I mean you can't ignore the production, 44 touchdowns, less mm-hmm. Bo Nix experience things like the head scratching interceptions. Um made a lot of big plays and he did a lot of that like I said the the in the article, four interceptions on throws of 10 yards or less. Those are those things that he did too much at Auburn. So, be interesting to see how he responds not having Kenny Dillingham this year, but um I mean, it's not – that's the case for him at four.
2: I, I would actually state the case that that his production could actually be better this year as a passer than it was last year. Right. With uh, – it's Will Stein is the name of the guy, right? I mean, you look right. at the numbers he put up with Frank Harris at UTSA last year. I mean, he's going to fit into that very well. I, I wouldn't have Bo Nix there. I think the numbers were good. Uh, the 43 touchdowns is good. I would argue Sam Hartman had 52 years ago. But that's a different convert. We'll get to that part here in a little bit. JJ McCarthy five. I think that's probably the one that a lot of people are going to have the biggest problem with. Is that a pure projection thing for you? What's your what's your reasoning for having JJ McCarthy at the number five spot?
1: Right. um, You know he he got that. He played big when they needed him to play big. You know he he beat Ohio State um, for the first time since 2000 at Ohio Stadium. That that hadn't happened since Drew Henson. I pointed that out for years. I mean, 12-1 and one is the starter. I think people are waiting to, you know, depending on, on who you ask, he's a day three quarterback or a first-round quarterback. And I think the talent, first-round quarterback talent is there. And if he cleans up the vertical passing stuff with the receivers he has, um, it will it, be uh, – uh, it'll be very interesting, but I do like JJ McCarthy's high end potential at Michigan, and I, you know, it, you like you said, he nearly brought them back against TCU, and I think he'll learn from the mistakes he made.
2: Another one that you have that I thought is very interesting, Bill, and and when we'll get into this one first before we get into Sam Hartman discussion is a guy that you have in your top ten that I think is probably the most polarizing quarterback to discuss in college football right now. And that's Quinn Ewers at Texas. You had him a number nine. It's interesting that you went there, Bill. I don't know that I would put him a number nine. I'm, I'm sort of more of a, I need to see it first type of thing. But I feel I've argued, I've made this case before on this channel, Bill. I think Quinn Ewers has gone from incredibly overrated to underrated. Right. Because right. the expectations were so high. People forget last year really should have been his freshman year. I mean, he... He graduated early so he could get an NIL deal and go sit the bench at Ohio State for a year. I don't like that. I don't approve of it. But the fact is he lost a year of development. Goes to Texas and has an okay freshman year. Freshman year, in my opinion. And and so now it's like he went from being this guy that 247 made the absurd claim of he is the like best quarterback prospect ever, which was absurd, to now it's like people are like, well, who's going to beat him out first, Malik Murphy or Arch Manning? You know, and, and that's just kind of what the perception is. You ended up ranking them ninth bill. And I think that's a very bold take, but it's one that I don't necessarily have a problem. Again, I need to see it more, but I don't actually have as much of a problem with this one, because I do think that the talent is there. The weapons are going to be there. And I think last year's experience is going to help. And I think there's something to be said for a kid that was hyped up that much to mm-hmm. have a little bit of humility.
1: Yes. And how does he
2: respond to it?
1: I trust the talent. I trust the five-star talent that, uh, he has. Um, he looks very comfortable in the spring game. He's throwing to two NFL receivers in a first round tight end and he has a long arm. And I mean, all you have to do is go back to the beginning of the Alabama game last year where he was just slinging it against them. So I think he definitely has the upside mm-hmm. to be again, a very wide range, probably an even higher upside than JJ McCarthy in terms of a first round NFL quarterback sure. because of that arm talent. But can he control the mistakes? He did not though. Downside on Quinn did not play well in games against ranked opponents, mm-hmm. did not play well against TCU, did not played good against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma was a massive. Yeah. yeah. So that's why Texas, like I said, uh, there's a lot of upside with him, And I honestly think bringing on arch, is a good push for him in a lot yes. of ways.
2: Well, and I think Malik Murphy having a very good offseason helps as well. I Actually, if Correct. I'm him, I'm more worried about Malik Murphy than I am Arch Manning at this point in time. Murphy I did had think a he... great
1: spring game. You're right. Yes. He played
2: very well. I, I do think he played well against Kansas State. I know his numbers don't like the world on fire, but I thought he made some really clutch throws in that win, and I thought he played pretty well against Washington. I mean, his numbers were tremendous, and he should have been over 400 yards if Xavier Worthy doesn't drop a deep ball. Uh, that should have gone for a big play. But but I also look at and say he was really bad against Oklahoma State. Like really bad against Oklahoma State. And he was really bad against TCU. So I understand. My whole thing is, Bill, is I wouldn't put him in the top 10 in the preseason. But if you were to say my top 10 is projecting how this is going to end, I'd probably have him in my top 10. Because oh, I trust Sark. Sure. The town around him is good. And and I think that he is going to be a better player than he was last year. I, I really do.
1: I really do. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, that's that's something why Texas and Notre Dame, who who are chronic hype teams, so to speak, um, in a lot of ways, people I I I shudder at the Texas is back thing. And and our social media team likes to have fun with it just because I shudder with the Notre Dame. There's a re like one of my least favorite phrases is Texas is irrelevant.
0: Well, no, they're not
1: because they're on and people watch and Millions of dollars. Notre Dame's irrelevant now. <laughs> no, they certainly aren't. And Michigan. There's Michigan's, a difference
2: bill between irrelevant
1: and not good.
2: Right. Notre and Dame people, has not been great for a long time, but they're still very relevant. The fact that you're even having this conversation right. is because they're
1: relevant. Right. And Michigan. Right? Michigan's the other ones. Like Michigan's irrelevant. Well, now because a lot of people watch them, and and right. so on and so on. So that's why it, it is interesting now that I'm looking at this again that we have Hartman and. Viewers back to back because I think the upside on both is playoff. The I mean Texas could easily win the Big Twelve easily, and uh, it's just a matter of going out and doing it. And then your point about a top five roster versus a top five execution is, is well taken.
2: Notre Dame and Texas are the epitomes of that. Two teams with very good rosters, but they need to prove that they can. Those rosters can equal wins because I think still Steve Sarkeesian has a lot to prove as a head coach he was a great coordinator but he's got a lot to prove as a head coach still as does Marcus Freeman because Marcus Freeman's for completely different reasons his is just we don't know but Steve Sarkeesian's never been a guy that's really led a team to great success and he's got to prove they can do that as a head coach we've seen him do it as an OC was a quarterback's coach obviously he's got rings right I mean he's got multiple national title rings as a position coach at USC and then obviously as a coordinator at, at Alabama, but he's got to prove he can do it as a head coach. And and so I, I, we'll see if Texas is, is sort of quote unquote back this year or not. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out here. here let's get to the Sam Hartman stuff, Bill. Mm-hmm. Sam Hartman's number 10 let's just I'll give you a first chance to kind of explain why you have him number 10.
1: I mean you know obviously big numbers in the ACC record-setting career elevated Wake Forest um, started in 45 games which is wild to me that we have a quarterback that's going to get near 60 starts by the end of the year um, you know and he didn't, I didn't the, the stunning stat that I put in there 41 picks on 944 attempts so you and I kind of had a back and forth in text um not having him over Cam Rising, which is a fair point. But, I man, I'm like, Cam Rising's played in two Rose Bowls. And Cam Rising has, uh, he's got a style that I like. I, I'm partial mm-hmm. to those guys, the, the guys that have done everything they can for their program. I go back to Cam Rising, the USC games last year, both of them, not just one, both of them, that he uh, elevated that team. And he played well in the Rose Bowls before he got hurt. Until for he got years. Hurt. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Well, I mean, so here, here's a couple of things. Number one is you said he elevated the team. I, I mean, who do you think has a better roster, Utah or Wake Forest?
1: Well, don't make me answer that. I mean, <laughs> y'all, we already know the answer. I mean, but that's I would kind say of Wake Forest is, receivers and Utah receivers are sure. probably comparable. Well,
2: but he had a, you know, what many people felt was the best tight end in college football last year. I know it's right. absurd, but he definitely had the number two tight end in college football last year. I, I, that's kind of my thing is you say, you know, he elevated the team around him and, and I think there's some truth to that. You say, we're talking about ripping up USC. He did that twice. USC's defense was terrible last year. So it's not like he, he went out there and, and and ripped up a good defense. And you look at like what Sam Hartman did to Clemson, for example, I would say is very similar. What's the difference. Utah has a much better defense than wake forest does. You know I mean? Did, did he play any worse against Clemson when he went 20 of 29 for 337 yards and six touchdowns than what Cameron rising did, uh, against USC. Well, what was the difference? Well, Wake force couldn't stop Clemson because their defense right. is terrible. I mean, in two games against – I mean, in the last three years, he scored – Wake Forest has scored 34 points, and Hartman had 320 yards and four touchdowns against North Carolina this year. He passed for 290 yards and three, or excuse me, 398 yards and five touchdowns against Carolina the previous year. Scored 55 points, and then the year before that, they scored 53 points against North Carolina. He had 429 yards and four touchdowns. Right. They lost every single one of those games, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of yeah. like you you put Hartman on Wake for on on Utah. Or we, you know, what's the conversation we're having? So that was kind of my thing. Is you say you know Utah the last two years has won 20 games. Well, Wake Forest has won 19 the last two years. ACC versus Pac-12, there's not a whole lot of difference there for me. Uh, You know, you talk about what he did in the bowl games last year. I thought he was really good against Ohio State, but that was a terrible Ohio State defense, as you and I both know. And so production-wise, it's not even close. I mean, wins as a starter, it's 20 versus 18. Now, Sam Hartman technically had 18 of those 19 wins because he missed the Army game because he was coming back from that art thing that he had last year. He'd, He'd have got that. But 18 versus 20. Uh, and Sam Hart actually, I think um, I think Cameron Rising actually only had uh, uh, nineteen of those twenty wins they had because he didn't start the season in twenty twenty one as the starter. I don't believe right. he came off the bench, but they were one and two with him not starting, and then he comes he comes in and starts against Washington State, and that starts their run of dominance in the Pac twelve. But you look at the production bill, and the last two years. Cameron Rising's had three total games of 300 yards yards passing or more. Right. Sam Hartman's had 15 the last <laughs> two years. Right. You know what I mean. So I mean, production wise, it's not even close. Touchdown wise, which is the case you made earlier for Bo Nix, it's not even close. Wins, it's very close. Close. Now it, one guy and has five and one
1: against ranked teams. Sure. Five and but, one? But, but,
2: yeah. That's a, has a that's like saying John Elway's not good because when zero three in Super Bowls. Well, name me the team that he played where his team was on the same level of the team that he played against. Right? I mean, right. That's the conversation. That's more of a team thing for me. Right. Uh, but um, that would be my case. Is there's really nothing about that that makes me that has me screaming? Hey, he's better. He played on a better team. Right. And he's gritty. I'll say this about Cameron Rising. He's a tough kid. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling in Ohio, Midwestern, you
1: know, we like those Ohio, guys. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's the maybe, kind of guy that Michigan yeah, and Ohio State like,
2: had for years. I we mean, like
1: we was, like those yeah. guys. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not like a huge gap. So like the gap between rising to Hartman to you know, as you get down the list, then um, Hartman's not a cutoff point. I think the next guy, somebody in the comments asked about Spencer Rattler. Sure. He's eleven. He's right. been I had him at number one on this list three years ago, so or two years ago. So it's certainly been a journey for him, but I mean sure. second half of season, Spencer Rattler was really good last year.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just I kind of feel like for me, it's there's there's got to be a level of consistency to this conversation. Not the conversation, um, not that you're not being consistent, but the quarterback. There's gotta be consistency in the conversation about a quarterback. And I think that's the thing that's so maddening about, about Spencer Rattler and why. To me, he doesn't belong in the conversation with Sam Hartman is because he'll show the flashes. If, if Sam Hart, if, if Spencer Rattler was some three star quarterback coming out of high school that nobody ever heard of, he's never getting the rankings that he's gotten. Right. It's all been built on what we thought he was going to be as a player. And he was solid in his, in his year as a starter at Oklahoma. I mean, he, he was solid that one year. but It just, he doesn't play one well great game. But you're talking about a guy that, that put up some monster numbers at the end of the year. He had eight touchdowns and two picks in the last two games, but he only finished with 18 and 12. So how bad was he in all the other games? That's the, that's kind of the rub, you know? So if you take those eight touchdowns and two picks out and the other 11, was it, they played 13 games So the other 11 games. He had, he was 10 and 10. Right. Right. I mean, then that's, that's the thing that you look at. So to me, when you look at Sam Hartman, compare him to like a Jaden Daniels, for example, who you have ahead of him, when you compare him to Cameron rising, who you have above him, when you compare him to JJ McCarthy, The production isn't even close. Some of those guys just play on better teams, right? Is J.J. McCarthy lead Michigan to 19 wins or lead Wake Forest to 19 wins the last two years? I don't think so. Does he lead them to eight wins this past year? I I don't think so. And that would be kind of my my conversation. And um, the other one, too, is the Jordan Travis one is interesting because – I actually have Jordan Travis a little higher than you, but we see him exactly the same way. It's just it's a nitpick of five to seven. Mm-hmm. I have a five you have him seven. That's like that's no difference. Hartman is compared to Travis, is where this conversation goes to me because production for Hartman's been better, more yards per game, more total touchdowns. And he's two and oh against Jordan Travis. All right. And right. I would argue one of those years, I actually think Sam Hartman had the better team. Sam Hartman, Wake Forest was a better team than Florida State, had more talent than Florida State in 2021, in my opinion. They had, like, they had some, the guys on that defense in 2021 and offensive line that were really good football players, plus right. the receivers. 2022, that I don't, I don't believe that they had the better team, but yet Sam Hartman went to Florida State and led them to a 10-point win in a game that they were dominating most of that game. And then Jordan Travis did some stuff in the second half to kind of, get it somewhat back in. And then once they got it to a touchdown, Sam Hartman, let him write down the field for a, a right. game pitching field goal drive. So that's the reason I personally had Sam Hartman at four ahead of Jordan Travis. Cause my ranking two bill was projecting where they are yeah. now or it was not projecting. It was, here's what, where they are now, what we know of these guys.
1: Yeah. And I'm projecting project, forward with Travis, different conversation. Yeah, definitely projecting forward with Jordan Travis a little bit. We you know, you know, like, when I looked at his stats, you know, it's, it's good to know that he led returning power five quarterbacks in yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's throwing like bubble screens. He throws it down the field. And then the added dimension of him being able to, he's probably one of the most dynamic running quarterbacks in the game this year. I mean, you go back and look at the Florida game. He was amazing. So I, I like his potential pushing forward. I'm starting to like Florida state a little bit more with each passing day. And I know it's may, uh, we'll see how I feel in August, but certainly a quarterback that could definitely make that run.
2: Well, and I think the thing about Jordan Travis too, if we're going to have a conversation about Jordan Travis, irrelevant to where he should be ranked ahead or behind Sam Hartman. I think one thing that has to always be factored into it is some of the stuff he he does can't be defined by yards. I mean, there's things right. he does that that is going to impact the running back more, you know, so they're going to have certain run concepts where, you're going to see the running back running through this wide open hole. And you're like, why'd that happen? And you're like, because those two weak side defenders were chasing Jordan Travis on the read zone fake. Right. You know, so he's going to have impact on those things beyond that. He's just one of those guys that, that you could watch play. This is what I love about Jordan, about Jordan, about Jordan, about Jordan, about Jordan, about one out here for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, can you guys
1: all hear me? I can. Here. I lost you there for a minute.
2: Okay, yeah, my uh, mic got – I knocked my mic again. Here's the thing I like about him, though, is there's just some guys you can look at and say they they put up numbers that don't necessarily knock your socks off. But watch <laughs> – like if you just look at the box score, he'll, he'll, he'll have some games where you just look at the numbers like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll have to watch the game. But, you know, that didn't really, like, blow me away. Those numbers didn't really blow me away. Uh, the Florida game, for example, he went 13 of 30 for 270 yards. And you know you rush for eighty three yards in a couple. Of, those are okay numbers, but then you watch the game. Yeah, like this guy had a huge impact on that game. Right, huge. And that's something right. I like about Jordan Travis. That I that I think sometimes you you can you can not, you can do yourself a disservice with him by not by only looking at the numbers. You right. have to watch him play to really appreciate the kind of player that he is. I will make that case for Jordan Travis, which is why I have him in my top five, to be honest with you. Right. And I think he's more, I mean, his production is better than, than Jane, Daniels. In my opinion, he beat Jane Daniels in a head to head. And he's in, and, and to me, he's just, he's, that's why I would have him ahead of Jane Daniels. And of course I would definitely have Sam Hartman ahead of Jane Daniels. Just, you know, uh, right. I don't, I don't think, I don't know what, what would your case be for having Jordan Daniels ahead
1: of Sam Hartman? Uh, well, I mean, Daniels, look at what they did. I mean, the Alabama game, sure. that's that's a, a pretty good one. I think the way that he developed over the course of the season and projecting forward um, a little bit with him. And he's the SEC quarterback with the highest Heisman uh, Heismanauts. I like that he completes uh, – again, I, I'm a stickler for accuracy in general. Um, maybe I have typos in my articles, but uh, 70 complete, <laughs> 70% completion percentage in eight or more games – Well, Uh, I blame
2: Bill for that.
1: That's what the editor
2: should be doing. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, and as the season got on, he was just better and better. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. he ran into that Georgia team, and it it didn't go his way. But, I mean, difference maker. That's what makes the Jordan-Travis-Jaden-Daniels matchup in week one so Mm -hmm. enticing um, because you have two top ten quarterbacks. And Daniels, in particular, he's had another – not as consistent as Sam Hartman over the course of his career. I mean, he had a lot. He had some very lows at Arizona State, mm-hmm. but I think he fits with LSU what they want to do, and he showed that in the back half of the season.
2: So, when you talk about the the Bama, are you just talking about beating, leading Bama to a win or leading LSU to a win? Is that kind of the, the point of it? Or because I didn't, I thought he played okay
1: against Alabama. I didn't. I didn't play when frame. they needed him, though. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, you look at the he caused them problems as. When Saban runs into a quarterback that can improv and, and run a little bit, that's when Alabama runs in. That's been going on since forever with yeah, him. I mean, that,
2: that goes back to Johnny Manziel in 2012 right. and then Bo right. Wallace in 13 and 14. Was it 13 and 14 or 14 right. and 15? Uh, it was Bo Wallace one year and it was Chad Kelly another year. But same thing, guys that can run around oh. and, and make plays off script. Uh, I guess kind of the way I look at it is you say he, he played one of those games. He did. Yeah, he he wasn't very good against Tennessee, at least not early. It patented a lot of stats late. I thought there were some games where he wasn't as good last year. And I would every time somebody says, well, the guy did this against Bama. I just my response was look what Sam Hartman did to Clemson. Right. Clemson was pretty good defense last year and he destroyed him. I mean, just absolutely ripped them up. And so that's just kind of my thing is I just feel like it has to do with where he was, where he was. And right. sometimes that's where these rankings can be impacted by the strategy I
1: place for more than the actual play of the yeah, quarterback. but I don't look like one individual game result isn't the end all be all sure. for me. Like I could fire back and say, look what Sam Hartman did against Louisville. Sure. And yeah. I don't, that doesn't
2: matter as fair. much to me. I mean, That'd like, be fair.
1: yeah, like you got destroyed by Louisville, so he's not as good as Jaden Daniels. So I don't fall into that. Um, and the Tennessee game. LSU got blown out because they could, they just didn't stop them at all. Sure. That game
2: was, I mean, they weren't know what moving I mean? the ball incredibly right. well
1: either. I mean, True. a lot of
2: those numbers he put up, I think he had 300 yards that game, but a lot of that was late. Right. But that, but that's my whole point, though. His team didn't play well that
1: game. Right. So is right? it, that's is my it, thing. Is it Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis, Quinn Ewers, Cam Rising, yeah. and Sam Hartman? And like I said, that's probably the cutoff yeah. point. All five of those guys are going to have an opportunity sure. to pull their team into the college football play and maybe just maybe settle this debate for us. Out that of those would be lies, so much
2: fun that that would, if, be- if we could actually see more of these teams play each other. That's what yeah. I, when I look at some of these non-conference schedules, I won't hammer you for Michigan's non-conference schedule today. Oh, we we'll have, have that time. one another day, but I, that's the one thing I, I do. That's why I'm very much looking forward to, to some of these September games because we're going to see Jordan, Travis, and Jaden Daniels go toe to toe in Orlando. So right. who who's in position to? Because I think the rosters are somewhat equal. One team has strengths over the other in some areas, and and the other one has advantages in others, and those type of things. We're going to see some of this get decided on the field. You know, is right. Jane Daniels going to be able to take that leap this year? Because he's another guy that since his freshman year, we're like, this is the year that Jane Daniels takes the jump. You know, and to a degree, last year I thought that he did. I just again go down to production wasn't even close. I mean, the overall production wasn't close. And, you know, this is the thing is Jaden, Jaden Daniels went eight of 15 for 86 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick against Arkansas. And he rushed for 10 yards on 19 carries and they won. Right. That's the difference to me. Part right. of the reason you're going to have some Louisvilles with Sam Hartman is because he has to play great for them to have a chance to win. He can't not play well and Wake Forest, beat people. And I I pointed out what they did against Carolina. He's led them to over 50 points twice Against Carolina led him to a 34 another year, and they lost all three of those games. And I think that's the thing for me that I get down to is, um, is, is it's those, what would this guy do on that team compared to what this guy has done on that team? And, and that's right. where, cause you say, well, this guy beat that team. Well, I don't care who you had at quarterback. Wake Forest isn't beating Alabama. I don't, you give him Caleb Williams and they're not beating Alabama. You know what I mean? Right. And that's, that's kind of where I say, well, I don't know. It's how did, how did those, these guys play consistently. So that's where I right. come down to it. But I, I do think this is going to have a chance to be a very good quarterback year in college right. football because we've talked about these guys. But here's who we're not talking about. We're not talking about Devin Leary, who I who I had as a top borderline top five guy last year. We're not talking about Brennan Armstrong, who had tons of yards two years ago. We're not talking about DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State, which I thought was a great decision by him to go play for Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. There's a lot of quarterbacks we're not talking about here, including Riley Leonard, who I'm very high on. We don't have time to to bring all him right. up, but he was going to be one that uh, that I was going to ask you why he's not higher. K.J. Jefferson is – I'm a huge K.J. – I mean, if I had to take, pick, pick between K.J. Jefferson and Jane Daniels, with all due respect, I'm taking K.J. Jefferson.
1: Well, right, a I'm, couple I'm a big
2: K.J. Jefferson guy.
1: We, we can talk – okay, so when Bill and I did this list, the two quarterbacks where we probably had the biggest disparity, mm-hmm. Bill liked Riley Leonard. Likes mm-hmm. the numbers, likes the things that he did for Duke and, you know, the rushing stats. And I probably had Milton higher because Milton's the other one. Milton's kind of the ultimate boomer bust pick on this list. Sure. If he booms, Tennessee's going to go to the playoffs. Yeah. If he bust, it's going to look, you know. it He goes the me, starting
2: quarterback by game five.
1: Correct. Yeah. Like when you have a freshman <laughs> behind him that could start or he could be Anthony Richardson this year. Right. In the NFL draft next year. So he, I like Milton's upside. I like how he played the bull game, but I also know, you know, I go back to that Georgia game where Georgia can make anybody look very average sure. very quickly, sure. including Hendon Hooker. Sure. Um, so those were the two we probably talked about most. The ones that interesting,
2: I've, it's interesting real quick on Joe Milton because you, you talk so much about completion percentage,
1: but he's one of the lowest completion percentage guys on your list. In the most. Com- completion percentage quarterback friendly offense and he did play well in the Orange Bowl. So if that's the Joe Milton we're getting, I'm gonna trust it. I, okay. I mean Heupel's offense is real. Now sure. to the your offense point, is great. I mean the offense is great. And even without Tillman and Hyatt, I think it can happen. Um we'll see though, right? So that's right. that's he didn't one have there. those guys in the bowl game. I mean that, that's no, the thing and I mean, if we're gonna be fine. fair he didn't
2: have those guys in the bowl game. But if you if you he had a couple big plays late, but a lot of that stuff was short stuff, which is stuff he had struggled with in the past. But he is 11 of 21 against Vanderbilt. That's that's my big thing is 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 this is the ultimate test for me with Josh Heupel as a quarterback developer. If he can get Joe Milton into being a a a 60 to because mm-hmm. here's the thing he doesn't have to complete 69 percent of his passes like hendon did right he just needs to produce like 62 63 at the most and he'll be effective because he can do some of those other things well like running it's a big strong kid bazooka for an arm he can you know throw the ball down the field so it's going to be can you get him can you get right. him to be more and that's the same thing that's going to be the challenge for penn state this year with drew Aller. can you get him to hit the layups Right. right, that's going to be the question mark. If if Penn State's going to be the team that challenges for the Big Ten, it's because Drew Aller isn't making the the big armed throws, the sixty yard bombs. It's right. can he hit that third and four, you know, with rhythm and 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 get it out where it needs to get with good ball placement, and good timing, and and those are going to be the things that are going to determine whether some of these teams like Ohio State and Penn State can not just put up numbers but win the money games. Those cool. are going to be the things, and that's going to be the same thing to me for Joe Milton this year.
1: Well, and so one of your commenters said, you know, it's a projection list, not a rankings. Yes. And no. I mean, of course we project forward, but you know, some of these guys have street cred, so to speak. So, I mean, Milton, yeah, we're projecting forward. There was a time on this list where, and Kyle McCord is ranked because if you don't rank Ohio state's quarterback, you're an idiot. Like he's going to produce. Um, There was one year we had did this list, Brian, we put, um, I think I put Tangobailoa and Hurts, oh, just to cover myself. Right, like, well, one of them's going to play, and you know, like, the other one's good too. So, but
2: you had McCord at twenty three, so it's not like you had him at like no, nine. That no. that would be where I think people could have a complaint is if you put him in the top ten just because. Mm-hmm. And that was my beef with the ESPN list having whoever the Alabama quarterback was going to be over Sam Hartman. It's just well, it's whoever. Whoever it's going to be is going to be X. And it's like, well, you don't know that. I, but right. I think to your point, I'll be surprised if Kyle McCord's not in the top 25 if he plays the whole year. The question is going to be for Ohio State is can he play like a top 10 quarterback, which is what they need if they're going to go compete for championship, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. That's I, the well, question mark. You could do it with Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and probably be right. You'd been right the last four times. So um, he he's one that, yeah. And again, we, we project a little bit. And then for me, it's like, I like Dylan Gabriel a little more. I like Jalen mm-hmm. Daniels. I really like Jalen Daniels. There's mm-hmm. one I do like the Kansas kid. They were off to a five and zero start. Doesn't throw picks accurate runs the ball, lifts that program up. Um, just got hurt. Their backup yeah. was pretty good, but you know, we'll, we'll project a little bit forward on him. And then I'm kind of just scanning who else R- Riley's
2: to... one that I would have had because a lot of the things that you said earlier about mm-hmm. other guys that you like I think is very true for Riley Leonard talk about making a team better you're talking mm-hmm. about a guy that you know completed 64 percent of his passes threw for almost 3,000 yards had 699 rushing yards had 33 total touchdowns and took a team that was I think what three and nine the year before and led them to nine wins right you know and so I, I think I would have had him a little higher I would have had him ahead of Gabriel a couple of those other guys but Right. You know, it's also year one, and you've got to see what he can do in year two. You know? and we, I do we like re- the town around him, too, at Duke. He's got some good guys to throw the ball to as well.
1: He does, and we maybe, because I have a sense of humor, put the Kentucky and Duke kid back-to-back, um, You know, with Riley Leonard being there. And then Liam Combe coming back to Kentucky will make a difference for Devin Leary. I mean, that's the other guessing game. Like, are we getting the 35-5 and Devin Leary? Right. Or are we getting the – Inconsistent, injured Devin Larry, who checks out if they start right. losing, which is what we saw last year. Right? Yeah, so that's that's a, that's, that's that's a tough point. one, and um, we'll see. But I mean, you know, putting that list together, is fun. A couple of things I wanted to mention too is, saw so comment, you know, Drew Aller's a guy I'd take a shot on. Well, a couple of the guys that we didn't put on there that I was pushing for is like Aller was one. Connor Wigman, I really, I'm gonna just yep. say it. I like if Petrino and Fisher works out, and that's quote-unquote if, um, he's going to have a monster year.
2: Bill, you don't have to convince me of that one. Uh, People here know I'm very high on Connor Wegman. And I've said if if Jimbo Fisher lets Bobby – look, Bobby Petrino maybe isn't someone I'm going to have a debate with you about a great moral character as a human being, but there's no disputing his offensive mind and his offensive prowess. There's no debating that. If Jimbo lets him run that offense, I'm a big Connor Wegman fan, so you don't have to sell me on that one. I wouldn't put him in the top 25 right now simply because he played five games last year, four games right. last
1: year. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a small sample. The, but, but if you were sure. to say
2: this is a projection of what I think we will see at the end of the year and you're going to have him on that, then I'm totally good. It's a, that's the thing. with Someone's like Drew Aller, some of these guys, Bill, it's like tell me what your top 25 list is. Is it a right. – here's the top 25 going into this season, or is it a top 25 of how I think we're going to view this by the time the season's over? Because there's some guys, Drew Allard does not belong in a top 25 if it's just about uh, what we know now. Right. And you can make that case with Kyle McCord, but if we're going to, because the difference, but the difference Kyle McCord is Kyle McCord comes from a system that has proven the quarterback is going to produce. Drew Allard doesn't. That's the difference in that one. And Kyle McCord's going to be throwing to Marvin Harrison and, all we talked about, Perfect. but if you're going to tell me, hey, what what is your prediction of what the 25 is going to look like by the end of the year? Uh, Drew Aller is going to be on there. Kyle McCord is going to be on there. Connor Wegman would be on there
1: for me, and that would that that's the that's the reality of it. So and we I mean, we, we will update where you are. We update this one in the midseason, but nobody clicks on that one because they just like to say, "I told you so," and you were wrong. Well, we, and we got nothing you know, else to talk about that, right now, right? All I all I'll say is last year my top three or top. I know the top two were Young and Stroud, so I'm not wrong there. Mm-hmm. And I know we had um, Hendon Hooker three, I think. So, at the time, at Which midseason, was... I was I was fine. Um, well, I mean, I would
2: argue that he was there all season until he got right. hurt. I mean, right. that, that's – I've been proud of that. Yeah. But the way the season played out, I mean, there was a time where I would have argued that Drake May should have been one or two, right. the way that he was playing. But by the end of the year – I mean, he didn't finish the way he played in the middle of the year. I mean, right. he, early in the year, he was okay. Late in the year, he was okay. Middle of the year, he was phenomenal. Now it's about can he take that next step and be more consistent? Now, that right. doesn't mean to pass Drake May. I mean, Car- Caleb Williams, he, he, I don't think he's going to do that. But as far as just putting that Carolina team on his shoulders, because he did at times, but they just were outgunned. Couple, I mean, I don't care what he did against Notre Dame. They weren't going to win that game. They just were outmanned everywhere else but quarterback in that game. So that's going to be an interesting one to, to discuss. So we, we will have you back on though, Bill. Actually, well, I mean, you're going to always be on. You actually did a show today right? Uh, on CFP Nation. So if, you have, if you're if you not subscribed to the CFP Nation channel, folks, you need to do so. Go to subscribe on YouTube, but also subscribe to the podcast platform so you can get the show. You guys talked about this Big Ten TV deal that is it's going to be interesting. I mean, is it up in the air? Is it just it's going to eventually get finalized? There's so much to discuss here. How does that impact Notre Dame? Uh, something I'm curious about. So you guys will have that. You d- you recorded that show today. I'll have that ready for everybody tomorrow morning. So you'll be able to check that out tomorrow morning. I may get the video up when I watch it. If I may be so intrigued that I just want to get the video up on, on the CFP nation, YouTube channel tonight, but you guys had that. You guys can find all the bill and bill, bill and bill do a show every week on CFP nation. And they talk about all types of different topics and, uh, and I, and I love what I love about Bill is you will answer for the things that you say, you don't just no. make a ranking and then hide from it. And, and no. I always respect that. And no. how many people come back and say, you know what, Bill, you were right. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm sure you don't get nearly You're as many of those nuts. tweets.
1: Everyone, I tell you, don't get it coaching, um, from parents. uh but so I'll give you a little spoiler on that one. And I, I'm cur- I would be curious. So here was my, I'm going to let you in a little bit of the snippet of this podcast. So we were talking about. Give it to your listeners. Give it to you. I'm mean, gonna I just ask you straight up. I told Bill I was like this thing about the primetime games. I was like, I hate primetime games. I've always hated them. I, I why are, he's like, why are they giving a pushback from Big Ten schools? I was like, because we don't like them. The mm-hmm. way like sitting out in those places in November. And I said, what is your ideal game time for Notre Dame? Mine's mine? still no, noon. Mine's, Mine's still noon. Well,
2: Minus for Notre Dame, it's still the 230, 3.30 games. 30, that's yeah, what they've always done. I mean, it's, it's, but it's an afternoon game. I mean, to me, primetime games are, 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 for early in the year and against a big rival. I mean, I think Notre Dame's first primetime night game was, I think 88 against Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah. And Michigan's first night game was 2011 against Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yep. So yeah, it there is no, I mean, when I've never watched Ohio, so I've grew up watching Ohio state and Michigan because Notre Dame would always play that night, usually play that night or later in the afternoon and, you know, three 30 game or whatever against USC but like I didn't grow up watching Notre Dame and USC play at night. I grew up watching them play right after the Ohio state Michigan game when it was, when it was out in LA, which was always at noon.
1: I mean, that's the tradition of it. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to go to practice tonight. My kids practices. I said, I'm going to go find 20 dads. And in this part of Ohio, there'll be a mix of Notre Dame, Ohio, maybe a couple sore thumb Michigans. And I'm gonna say, what's your favorite game time. And I guarantee you, I told Bill in the bet I said there'll be less than three to four that say eight o'clock. Sure. We don't like that. We don't I like do. like one a year. Is what? really where I'm at. One or they two. They should be special and, occasions. Right, right. Special occasions, not November seventh, twenty-first, or whatever it is, Michigan State, Ohio State. I was like, of course they're not gonna like that. Because no. they, you know, Notre Dame, they're starting no. to plan their calendar. High State and Michigan are starting to plan their calendar around each other. So right.
2: it, it'll Whereas be. Whereas Notre Dame fans can look and say, they can look at the schedule and say, I know Ohio State and I know that USC are going to be night games because that yeah. USC game now is always a night game at home. And they always have that early season, early September, late September, early October prime matchup that's at night too. Okay. Yep. I, you know, Georgia was at night, Stanford's at night, USC's at night when they're at home. I mean, you you know, so you can plan around it, right? But I just, yeah, I'm with you. I Now, I personally, as a coach, I always preferred noon games because I liked as a coach to be able to get up, not have to worry about our players doing anything else. We get up, we go to breakfast, we go to our team meetings, we get to the locker room, we get our stretch, we get our treatment, and then we're ready to go play a game. As an analyst, I kind of like the three 30 games right. to be honest with you. Cause for I can sure. watch some of the noon games and then I can for sure. watch the PM games and, and that type of thing. But uh, I, I don't love a bunch of night games. And that's one thing I hate about Notre Dame schedules. Cause like every road game now, almost every road game they play is a night game. It's right. like Purdue's a night game. Navy's a night game, you know, Georgia tech's a night game. All, you know, it's just like you get sick of it cause it's Notre Dame and it's prime th- for an irrelevant team. They sure do get put on ESPN and ABC at eight o'clock against a lot of irrelevant teams. You know what I mean? Like, I had to watch Notre Dame play Syracuse in 2014 at right. freaking night. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Because that's what they were saying last to year. 10.
1: And that's what I was talking to Bill about. I said, you know, high state fans, they didn't want to go, they didn't want to drive up to the shoe and watch them play Toledo last year right. at night. Michigan fans don't want to watch Michigan and Hawaii at the big house at night. And that's, we're creatures of tradition. And Bill's a, you know, Vanderbilt grad and, and that. I just said, don't so you're expect- saying he doesn't
2: understand football tradition. Is that what you're saying? You're
1: I said he doesn't understand <laughs> the Big Ten mindset, and okay. I said, and, the, and I can lump Notre Dame in there because it's the same thing. It's like I'm not going to change my mind because the network is telling me to sure. like this. I don't have to. I still don't like it, and um, you know, like Notre Dame. When I thought about Notre Dame and Michigan playing over the years, they had a 330 game. Yeah. should be 3:30. That was the best spot for that game because it was in the primetime window and or the, the middle window and that's what I associated Notre Dame Michigan games with was 3:30. Right. And Even Ohio State Michigan back in the 1990s, they played when did they play? They played at
2: 3:30. I think for me my only pushback and this has nothing to I agree with everything you're saying. I have a hard time like the Big 10s think it was the tradition, the tradition, the tradition and I'm like Says the conference who just went and poached USC and UCLA <laughs> right. from the Pac-12. Well, you know, like, said. like, can can y- your conference name is the Big Ten and you have fourteen teams? So, don't come at me with the whole tradition thing when you're a the Big Ten conference for right. you, for analysts, for fans. I'm cool with that because I think that there's a level of of yeah, you can agree with that. But it's just kind of like that's the that's the line you're going to draw on the sand on tradition is when you're going to kick off games, not we're going to bring two teams from California into the big 10, which is a pr- traditionally Midwestern Northeastern conference. We're going to bring in two California teams, but we're going to be pissed off because we have to play right. some eight o'clock games. You know what I mean? To make our hundred million dollars a year. Like that's where they, like, I agree with the premise of what you're saying, Bill, I'm, we're on the right. same page there, but it's just like, I have no sympathy for the conference that is as playing as big of a role as the SEC and destroying all the traditions of college football. But they're gonna draw the they're gonna draw the <laughs> sand in the line for we want noon kickoff games like
1: okay like I'm sorry you've lost me honestly. i'm cor- I'll give you the corporate answer is we can you know do it, the big Ten's, you know doing what it's best to do to promote the game of college football sure. bring it coast to coast and you know we welcome USC right. and UCLA with <laughs> open right I see exactly. Archer yeah. Archer's comments hilarious to me because it's like yeah, Ohio State, Youngstown State might be a primetime game. Well, Artemis is an like... Ohio
2: State fan. He's one of our resident. We have some fans from other teams in here. He's an Ohio State fan. So
1: I'll watch it, that it, game. Yeah, because there's a Pickerington kid that might be playing quarterback yeah. for Youngstown State. I'll watch at least a couple series.
2: Yeah, I just I just laugh when when I when I hear them tradition when the words tradition come out of the mouths of Big Ten fans. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, right. you know, I just – you're going to lose me on that. Although I agree with – it, it's that's what's frustrating because I agree with the premise of I'm tired of all the night games, especially – like, I don't care about Iowa. and Was it Penn State? Iowa is going to be a night game? Right. Like, I don't care about watching that game at 8 o'clock at night. You know, but I just uh, – when the Big Ten does it, it just kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit for me. You know, the 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 guy that negotiated this deal is the same guy that wanted to cancel their season two years ago. You know what I mean? So, I just – they're going to lose me a little bit with, with some of that kind of stuff. So right. that, that's my thing. Even though I would agree with you in, in theory, it's just I have a hard time saying, right. yeah, Big Ten, stand for tradition, except for right. when you're going to keep adding teams and doing this and poaching the Big 12 and poaching the Pac-12 and your league no longer really looks anything like what the Big Ten looked like when this tradition started. But okay. sure, let's draw our, our, our line in the sand for noon kickoffs in November. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's to me, it's creatures of habit. Like, yeah. and, and I still think it's part of the reason why the Pac-12 has trouble getting eyeballs is because people on right. the East Coast aren't going to stay up at 10:30 at night and watch Washington State and Arizona State. Now right. I might, but others won't. So, right? No,
2: I, I'm with you. I, I, I get it. It's just, it's, it's just, the whole thing is just right. silly to me. Like that's that's just that's where you guys draw your tradition line. <laughs> noon kickoffs
1: i never said i never said the line wasn't gray
2: again i'm not talking about your stance your stance is fair i'm talking about the big tens hissy fit over kickoff times it's like you're getting this amount of money and this is what you're you know what i mean you're adding two california teams and this is what you're upset about okay right. whatever you say but uh it's going to be you guys are going to have to listen to it because I know Bill and Bill are going to get into this uh, quite a lot more yeah. and it 's going to be a very very fun conversation so uh, bill thank you so we 're going to we 're going to do this again over the summer we're going to have you right. on a couple few more times. I think you and I are probably going to do a couple c f b nation shows together this summer as well, maybe a couple live shows maybe on c f b nation well, that might be a little bit of fun. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll get that rocking and rolling, but Hey, Bill, let everybody know before you get out of here, where right. they can find you, where they can find your articles. And then of course, where they can find
1: you on, uh, on socials. Yeah. I knew we were going to have some fun today and I I can take it, right? Like I assure your listeners, yeah. I, I, am one of those guys that can take it because when you, like, you enjoy that. Yeah. Like yeah, you, 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 enjoy you uh, when you grow up in this, we, we like to say, you know, I can argue, I can take it when I admit when I'm wrong. Not to Bill on the other podcast. You can check out our other (laughs) podcast on uh, CFB Nation. We're having a lot of fun with it. I'm at sportingnews.com. Privileged to call Brian a friend, somebody that we can go back and forth with. And um, we're going to get after it here. I'm going to get back. I got uh, softballs on the schedule tonight. So I got to go make a softball lineup for the (laughs) Pink Diamonds. We're going to go out and and dominate like we normally do. So uh, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks to your listeners. Check us out. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for coming on with us. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.